today on Rolling with New York Mike. I'm, I'm encouraging you not just to vote, to make those calls, to talk to your friends. Even if you're talking to somebody who doesn't agree with you politically, at least let them think about electing a person that has demonstrated intelligence. I, I'm sorry, I've got to say, when I see Joe Biden, I, I, if that's not the guy I want to be sitting at the table and negotiating. I don't want him or the people he chooses. This is not the leadership that I feel safe and confident with. It's not just the politics, it's the common sense. Welcome to Rolling with the most patriotic man I know, my husband. And now, his podcast, Rolling with New York Mike. Get on the ride. Hi, and welcome to Rolling with New York Mike. That's me. So, yeah, it's five days before the election. Five days before November 8th. And the proud, you know, every election is, without a doubt, the most consequential election of our lives. There's, there's uh, unquestionably, but that doesn't make it less true. It's a fact. And so whether you talk about the election of 2016, you talk about 2020, I mean, think about the consequences of electing Donald Trump, of electing Joe Biden. Uh, and, and here we are in the midterms. We've got to get out and vote if we're going to turn this around. Now, clearly there's another side. And the other side seems to kind of defend what's happened in the last two years. So with one week to go, let's examine. Let's examine where we are and why. And I'm going to bring some things to the table today that I'm not going to talk about the crime in the streets in New York and in California, the homeless, all these issues, the energy issue, the, the, the boy. We know all about that. We keep on hearing about that all the time. But with one week to go, I'm going to be calling friends and I and who I especially the ones who are on the fence and and relatives not pushing my agenda, just making sure they know it's so important to vote. I mean, if 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 they bring up questions, we'll talk. It's it's also okay to remind folks that Veterans Day in three days after the election is November 11th. Think about it. Talk about it. There's nothing wrong with talking about Veterans Day. Just 0.049, less than one half of 1%. Less than one half of 1%, okay? Maybe even less than that right now are currently serving. It's important to celebrate those who served if we want to encourage others to serve and to remember that we live in a dangerous world, more dangerous now than ever given the level of destruction that countries like North Korea and Iran, I mean, the level of, the, of, of destruction that we, we can achieve in this world today in, in a war with the push of a button. We've been pretty complacent over the years, uh, the Soviet Union, Russians, America. We've had this capability. And now you have places like North Korea, Pakistan, you you have what we see happening in Iran. Now, today, Iran said <laughs> they're aiming a missile at New York City and the Dems are still negotiating with them. No joke, <laughs> to quote 
to quote your current president, no joke. I mean, it isn't a joke. It's damn serious. Meanwhile, we cannot achieve our own recruitment quotas. Think about it, because again, we have an election coming up on the 8th. Veterans Day is three days later, and we cannot meet our recruitment quotas. Why? Because, because they say obese, yeah. Americans are too fat or too stupid or too lazy or maybe just too unappreciative of America. You would think that the last two years would have woken up these people. Look what's going on. We're on the edge of World War Three in the Ukraine with Russia, the Ukraine, with the Chinese siding with Russia. With all, Think about all these things. So much has changed with issues like, yeah, energy, crime, supply chain issues, commerce in the USA, tax the rich to feed the poor until there are no rich no more. Oh, yeah, wait, wait. No, that wasn't the words. It's it's rock and roll. If rock and roll is your Bible, I guess it was tax the rich and feed the poor until there are no poor no more. No, it doesn't work that way. It's, it, it works. You tax the rich to feed the poor until there are no rich no more. That's reality. That's reality. That's what socialism is. Socialism slash communism, because that's where it goes to until you run out of other people's money. And then what? And you empower these governments. Is that what we really want to do? Yeah, that's, yeah, rock and roll. Well, if rock and roll is your Bible, well, I, I, I'm sorry. It's not my favorite thing. I, I just, I know I'm not going to make a lot of friends out there, but the hell with rock and roll. Because you know what? Freedom isn't just another word for nothing left to lose, okay? Not even close, my veteran friend, Chris Christopherson. Yeah. And by the way, movies, stupid isn't what stupid does. Stupid is doing what stupid does and supporting what stupid does. Remember when you did something wrong in in grade school and you said, well, Johnny did it first. And the teacher said, if Johnny jumped off the roof with you and you thought that was stupid. Yeah, I'm not jumping off the roof. So why is a movie so popular that depicts the hero to be so much of a duh, that's my word, that he has really good outcomes, though. Really good outcomes, while his war-protesting friends and his girlfriend do not. And they seem so cool and smart. So what is the meaning of the theme of the movie that life is like a box of candy and stupid is as stupid does? I mean, this is our culture today. These are the things that form a, a, a culture, all right? In the, in the days of art and books... Today, it's it's movies and music, and it has such an effect on so many people. I mean, I got to say this, because Gary Sinise, Lieutenant Dan, is the best thing and a great thing to come out of that movie, <laughs> actually, which I still haven't figured out if it's pro, anti, or just agnostic about war. But there are a, a, a lot of anti-war movies. I don't watch many war movies, by the way, of any kind. But I've watched a few. Full Metal Jacket. I mean, there's there's been a few. But in my opinion, okay, the must-watched war movie, and and I want to talk about this because it's so important. Just write this down, memorize it if you haven't seen it. All Quiet on the Western Front. Originally filmed in 1930, based on a book 
written by a German soldier, Eric Maria Remarque, and I hope I got his name right. He wrote that book in 1929. It, it was, you know, won Academy Awards. Uh, it's been remade by Netflix. Now, I I got to tell you, it's, it, 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 it's, it's, it's definitely an anti-war movie. It was a great, you know, billed as and was one of the great anti-war movies when it would, first came out in 1930. I saw it as a kid in the 50s. And I and I, I always remembered it. Look, it didn't stop me from joining the military, thank God, because that's not what it does. What it did was, when I did join, I didn't have any misconceptions about the glory of war. Don't get me wrong. I, I guess seeing this anti-war movie wasn't, wasn't going to offset my love of John Wayne and and and, and uh, all these other great American heroes, but it wasn't it wasn't that. It was you know, living in the world where my dad was a World War II veteran, and and, and my grandmother uh, of all my grandparents, my grandmother was the one that used to tell me these stories about what it was like in Russia in Russia before the revolution, and then after the revolution, and why they came here, and then. My dad and his buds coming back from the war, getting together and, and playing Pinochle every Wednesday night, just going and listening to their stories. So I, I, I understood as a little kid, but I also remember this movie. And I, I, I saw it again last week as this remake by Netflix. And though it's still an anti-war movie, believe me, I, I have a different take than any of the reviews I've read. Without a doubt, the movie depicts the horrors of war, but it also shows the reality of the politics of war, and, and which I, I don't have any memories. I, I didn't I didn't get that as a ten year old kid going to a war movie. I got the horrors of war, the reality, and that movie showed it, especially the the original. But it. it the, the politics, I never saw that when I saw it. Well, I was too young to understand. Maybe the movie didn't show it. I didn't see the, the, the original last week. I just saw the Netflix remake, which I assume goes through the whole theme. But it showed the politics. And I say politics, and I'll try to explain that. Not as much as I think it could have, but if you have some insight and knowledge of history, knowing about how World War I ended with the Treaty of Versailles and, of course, the armistice that took effect on November 11th of 1918, which we now call Veterans Day. It's possible to see the inevitability of war as well as its futility. So this movie clearly shows the Germans losing with scenes of the German hierarchy, politicians and generals back in Germany making futile plans and arguing among themselves even as the scenes of soldiers are shown dying and suffering in horrific ways. I mean, I think they do a really good job. Again, I'm not sure because when I started reading about this, again, after seeing this, and it, it just brought back memories of, wait a minute, we've known all along, we've seen this movie, not just the, the more recent movies that try to say whatever stupid is as stupid does. I don't get that. Not at all. I mean, there is there's so much stupidity out there. Which stupid is? Are you? <laughs> which is is which is the one but 
We've seen this movie before, haven't we? And prior to 1934, 1934 is, is when the movie industry came out with guidelines. So in 1930, they didn't have any rules that said you couldn't show this, that, and the other thing. And, and so I know that the original showed some really horrible, horrible scenes. Again, the Netflix remake does. I'm just not sure, not seeing both of them side by side if it's as horrible as the original, but it, it definitely shows the advent of the flamethrower. The flamethrower developed in World War I was, was brought in because it was trench warfare. So they, they dug these trenches that the soldiers live in. So you can have a, a trench, the Germans in their trenches, and then maybe a hundred yards away, the French in their trenches or the Americans in, in our trenches, and they couldn't get to them. They would shoot at each other. They would yell and scream or whatever. But then they developed this flamethrower so they could burn people a lot. It was horrendous, horrible. And of course, now it, it's part of our weapons arsenal. But they show this in ways that it, it just, they show the flamethrower. They show tanks running over the trenches and crushing. I mean, it, it depicts, it depicts the, again, horrors of war as it, as it should. And it, it became clear when you, it shows, it brings you back to Germany and the, 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 the politicians and the generals sitting at, at the, in the conference rooms arguing. And, and even that it was clear to all sides that the war was lost. The Germans were just, they lost. The movie shows the generals and, and arguing with the politicians. Uh, they, they don't want to stop the war. They, uh, they just don't want, it's ego. This is political ego on display in, in, in juxtaposition to the kids fighting the war. And it, it's a movie, again, everybody should see, but you got to look at what's going on back in the conference rooms between the generals. And then it shows as the war is, you know, coming to that conclusion, the French hierarchies, their generals preparing the armistice, their anger, their thirst for vengeance, as, as they imposed the harsh terms on the Germans that the Germans reluctantly accepted to stop the fighting that eventually led to the Treaty of Versailles that was eventually signed seven months later in June of 1919. This insight though, this insight to me of them coming together to get this armistice done, the generals fighting to, to stay in the battle, to keep fighting, to keep throwing these kids to the French flamethrowers and to their artillery and throwing them in front of the tanks, knowing they couldn't win. And the politicians trying to negotiate with their own generals to bring this to an end. And then they start showing you as the French and their general, instead of making, making it easier for the Germans to stop the fighting, they just imposed these vengeful, harsh, harsh. Did they know it's wrong? Look, these generals were angry. They were steeped in the in the, the blood, the death, the horror of the war, and they blamed the Germans. And so they're trying to bring this to an end. It was the Germans that had the power. The Germans that were the force behind the enemy, not those people that started the war. It was Austria-Hungary that declared war on Serbia after the assassination of Archduke Ferdinand. 
the, the Russians came to defend Serbia. It was, it was a Balkan war. This didn't start in Germany. It didn't start with the Germans. But the Germans got behind the, the Austrian. I mean, it was, if you look at today's history with everything going on, you've got to look back at how this started as well as how it ended. I'm talking about how it ended. This movie is talking about how it ended. And I'm going, so it ended, the movie ended with the armistice. The movie ended on November 11th, 11 o'clock on the 11th day, the 11th hour, you know, I, I mean, when it ended, the fighting ended, but the war didn't end until, until the Treaty of Versailles. And, but you got to look at the beginning. If, if, if this movie does anything, it, and it probably won't, <laughs> I mean, it, it certainly piqued my interest to try to re-examine all the things that I learned in school. And then you wonder, yeah, I, I learned this in school. I went to, I learned it in high school. It was basic. And, and then I was in the military. I came out. I went to the University of South Carolina. And by the way, it, it was a great thing for me personally. I don't know how many others. I didn't go right from high school to college. I quit high school and, and went in the military. But that time in the military was precious to me, not just because I was defending my country, not be, just because I was, I was fighting for the freedom of the South Vietnamese people, which I'll always be proud of. But it, it also allowed me to, to mature in a way that gave me a, a, a worldview that I maybe I thought I had when I was 18. But yeah, no, I tried to join when I was 17. My dad almost, yeah, he, almost my ass. <laughs> it, it was not fun, but he, he definitely stopped me from doing that. But he couldn't stop me at 18. But I don't know what I, I thought I had as a worldview, but it definitely changed. And so when I went to school after having that experience, being in the military, being in the war, when I went to school, I had a, a different worldview and I was eager to learn and try to understand. That's why I'm in school. I remember Dr. Barger. That was the history teacher. And it was, by the way, it wasn't a teacher. They talk about classroom size. It wasn't, he wasn't a teacher in front of what, we had about 39 or 40 kids to the average class. Do, do they keep it now? They want to have all this money so they can only have 32. We were in a, virtually an auditorium. I don't remember how many times a week I had Barge's class, but it was an auditorium with at least 100 kids. I don't know how many. It was a big auditorium. But I was there sucking up all the knowledge I could get. And most of what he taught, what, what, and you go to school and they tell you what to read, which was great because that's what I actually did <laughs> in, in high school. Yeah, I, I listened to the teachers and I read a little bit of the textbooks, which had a paragraph about World War One, <laughs> maybe two paragraphs, right? Maybe half a chapter. But they directed us when you, when you go to college, when I went to college, they directed you to read the book, read this book, read that book. And, and, and try to understand, read conflicting opinions from different authors and, and you know, try to get the information and, and get your perspective on things and all that. Well, as I, as I look at this today and I, and I look at it and try to understand what's the relevant, what's relevant about this to these elections? What's relevant is to understand how important it is. These people that we elect, it's not just crime in the streets and, and it's not just 
the border issues and these it's it's bigger than that and by the way take a look at what happened in afghanistan take a look at that take a look what's going on with china china in south america china down in brazil china threatening to take back taiwan take a look at what What's going on? Who are we supporting? Who are the other countries supporting what? What's NATO doing and all that? This is not any different from what happened prior to World War I. I was talking to someone the other day about this. And they said, yeah, well, you know what? With all the nukes that we have and everything, there's not going to be another world war. Because that would be the end of civilization as we know it. As we know it, yeah. But not the end of civilization. And don't think that it's inevitable. Do you not think that in 1914, there were as many people thinking the same things? Hey, we don't have bow and arrows anymore. We're not, we're not using slingshots, you know? We don't just have swords and, and just the catapults or whatever. We have big, these cannons and we, you know, we have, you know, it, it's, it's not gonna happen. And I'm sure there were people like that. Maybe not as many as today, but it's not inevitable. Because stupid is, as people, you could say stupid is as stupid does, as stupid is as people follow. And they follow stupid, and they shouldn't. But it's up to us to choose wisely, choose politicians, people that are the leaders that are going to lead us not into these feudal wars, and who are going to understand that there's an inevitability, that we have to be ready, that we have to be prepared. We can't wait till the last minute when Germany doesn't respond to when there's an assassination of the Archduke and then this one does that. All this happened within months, weeks, days. It happened so quickly, but you have to be prepared. You can't wait until Pearl Harbor to start building a navy, to start recruiting people, to start yeah, I, you, you can't wait until the, you have to always be prepared. History teaches us that. Are, are the people that we elect, when they went to school, what were they studying? What were they learning? Take a look at the schools today. What are they learning? Diversity? Are they learning CRT? Or are they learning history? Are they learning the things that enable them to understand human nature and where we are, the things that don't change. Because human, we don't change. I've talked about, I've talked about some of the series that I've watched about the, the, the nomad, um, the, the Islamic nomads back in the 1200s and the 1100s during the Crusades. People of people, the backstabbing, the, the conspiracies, the, all that, the, the greed, the anger, the, the vengeance, the, the, the ambitions, the, I mean, none of this changes. So you try to find the leaders. We have 320 to 30, maybe million people in this country. And we have 435 people in Congress between the House of Representatives and the Senate. So don't think that that's, you got to look at what's local. Who's, who's your local? Who's your mayor? Who's your, representatives, who's in the state senate and the assembly, who are the people? Because those people are going to be the people that are eventually going to be in Congress. Those are the people, that's the ladder they want. And those are the people that are going to affect us and our children and our schools and the learning. What are they learning in school? Gender fluidity? Really? You know, they're rewriting the history of America? Really? Is that going to help us understand the world we live in? 
Let's get a, a sense and an understanding. Let's find the leaders. This is an election that's coming up in five days from today. When you hear this, it might be four or two, <laughs> but whenever it is, I'm, I'm encouraging you not just to vote, to make those calls, to talk to your friends. Even if you're talking to somebody who doesn't agree with you politically, at least let them think about electing a person that has demonstrated intelligence. I, I'm sorry, I've got to say, when I see Joe Biden, I, I, that's not the guy I want to be sitting at the table and negotiating. I don't want him or the people he chooses. This is not the leadership that I feel safe and confident with. It's not just the politics. It's the common sense. When you look at some Fetterman, John Fetterman, really? You're going to defend this man? He can't say a full sentence. I mean, look, I'm pretty upset thinking about all this, and I am. And so maybe I'm stumbling over some words over here. But I hope I can have a thought that comes out that makes a little sense. I'm not running for the for the U.S. Senate. I'm not running for Congress. I'm not even running for mayor right now. <laughs> but 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 I'm trying to make people understand the importance of elections, of being responsible. Not how many people say, oh, you know what? I don't care about either side. I don't care. It doesn't. I'm sick of this thing. All politicians are all this. Or, yeah, they are. But they're also who lead us into these situations. These are the people that led the world into this World War One and World War Two, by the way, because this insight to me the, in, the, in this movie, All Quiet on the Western Front, this insight is the most important part of the movie. Not, yeah, the horrors of war, but this is the most, but it shows the politicians with their egos, their inability to lead, to understand the bigger picture, the reality of human nature and how all this in an anti-war movie led to the much larger World War II. And as many now agree, it made the world war that started in 1914 continue to its end in 1945. When you look back, if you look at this, if you study it, if you read about it, and, and, I, and I, I suggest that if you have an interest in them, where we are in your life and the quality of the lives that we are leading, that we've led and that we hope our children lead. If you have an interest, spend a few minutes and look back and see what I'm saying and have an understanding that it's so important. Just just elect people, get involved a little, just just vote. Just, just, just vote. At least then you can have, you can say you had a, a hand a little bit. You're, you played your role. That's all you got to do. You can do more. You can donate. You can go to rallies. You can do other things. You can go to school meetings. You can go to city council meetings. You can get involved in a lot of ways. I encourage all of that. But at least, in the very least, vote and and. Try to understand who you're voting for, whether it's Democrat, Republican, whatever it is, because this is this is so important to the survival of the world as we know it. Okay, I believe the importance of this movie cannot be understated, not because of how it shows the horrors and futility and it is futility of war. 
but how it shows the inevitability of war and the need to always be prepared for war. It also, a glimpse, much more than a, the mere glimpse actually, into how how short-sighted politicians, of which, by the way, there is n- there's never been any short of. <laughs> and it'll always assure us that there will, for the foreseeable future, always be wars. It was the harshness of the hated Treaty of Versailles, particularly Article 231. Check it out. That led to World War II as the Weimar Republic fell. And that gave way to the inflation in Germany. The inflation. Check it out. The inflation. The German people wanting revenge because of how that treaty treated the German people. They have pride. We all have pride. And it led clearly to the fall of the Weimar Republic, which is what was the German government, to the election of the communists and the Nazis and Adolf Hitler. That's that's what did it. That treaty that that allowed for the anger, for the for for the emotions instead of the intellect. It didn't it didn't it didn't allow the intelligence to say, hey, let's do something that makes people the people in Germany want to join the community of country of nations. Let's do something that lets them know that we're gonna bring them into this community. Yeah, they maybe they have to pay some reparations. Maybe they have to do some demilitarizations. Maybe, but to humiliate the average German, the average citizen in Germany to this degree. And that's what they did. It's crazy because in 1914, Archduke Ferdinand, the heir to the Austro-Hungarian throne and his wife were assassinated by a Serbian-backed terrorist. Terrorist, yeah, terrorism existed, always has. And during the crisis that followed, Europe's leaders made a series of political, diplomatic, and military decisions that turned out local conflict. That's what it was. So Austria-Hungary, with German encouragement, yeah, yeah, they did, declared war on Serbia. Russia's support of Serbia brought France into the conflict. Germany declared war on Russia. France, right after that. And then, I mean, take a look at what went on to bring about World War One, and then take a look at that Treaty of Versailles and how that made World War One just continue right into World War Two. And think about where we are today. When people say, "Oh, we're on the edge of World War Three," it's not a frivolous statement. I don't want to be unpleasant. <laughs> I, I I just wanted to bring out something that just hopefully it makes people understand the importance of your vote, the importance of choosing the right people to lead us. Yes, I know. I, I, I'm, I'm always railing about these communists and this left wing and how they, yeah, that's important today. But it's so much more important when you realize what it's done to the world in the past. The world we live in is shaped by the world that we, we, we came before us. Go back in history. Go back to the Crusades. Go back to the Ottoman Empire. Go back, but go back to World War One. For sure, it's so close to us. It's a hundred years ago. That that's it. If you, if you think about it, it, it was it was the 1920s, 1923, when the German mark, when you needed a wheelbarrow of money, a wheelbarrow full of German marks to get a loaf of bread. Think about that. 
What's going on in the Ukraine? What's going on in Russia? What's going on in China? What's going on around? That affects each of us. So it's not just what happens locally, but what happens locally affects everything. I, I want to talk quickly, talking about what happens locally. Um, I, I am backing a few, but I think are important people. I'm backing two, two people, uh, John Hamelin for, for, for sheriff. I feel very good about that, by the way. A 30-year Marine who took over the prison system in Iraq after um, Abu Ghraib. Um, 30-year Marine with two combat tours and a, and a bronze star uh, who became a uh, San Diego policeman. And while he was on the San Diego police force, he went to law school and eventually became the uh, chief prosecutor in San Diego and just resigned to run for sheriff. I, I, he, I think the guy's great. And, um, and I'm, I'm backing Jordan Marks, the county assessor. I've known Jordan Marks for a very long time. And I can tell you, I don't know how many people actually vote for county assessor. I don't know how many people actually understand the importance of that. I mean, this is our taxes. We pay taxes. And as a business owner, you make mistakes sometimes. You do things. And when the Board of Equalization or whatever it's called today, or whoever the people are that collect tax, they're merciless. They, they come after you. And if I got nothing else from Jordan Marks over the years, I got great advice. Advice that put me in a different direction that gave me some insight into how to handle this thing. And I want to tell you a quick story because you're never proud of the mistakes you made, but you know you, you should learn from them going forward. So I, 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 I talk to people about different things and I shouldn't hold back on, I'm very proud of things I've done well, but I, 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 it's also important to talk about the things that I didn't do so well. So. When I bought San Diego Harley-Davidson in 1993, I had never done any business that was a retail of any kind of retail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Going door to door selling encyclopedias or greeting cards or stuff like that. But I never had a store that sold stuff on a retail basis where you had to buy goods and then sell goods. And, you know, it, it, and, and it, it's so different. So I buy San Diego Harley-Davidson. I love motorcycles. I love Harley-Davidson motorcycles. I've been riding Harley-Davidson motorcycles since 1967. Yeah. And, you know, I, and, and I had tons of friends in, in the aftermarket industry because I had a, uh, a little business that I set up. Just because I, I would buy a bike and sell it, uh, fix it up. It wasn't a business business. It was more of a hobby business. But got me in touch with uh, different people in the industry and, and blah, 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 blah. Anyway, so I set up this business. And I'm, I buy San Diego Harley-Davidson. I take it from this uh, out of business, totally, totally out of business dealership with no contract with Harley and bring it to pretty pretty successful and so three years later and i remember it so vividly three years later the state comes in and they audit they they, they audit you to see if you comply with everything and i was so careful i brought in someone from new york who had been my administrator diane kirby and she came in and she was so good with the books and everything later on i got linda holm who was fantastic 
and then of course, um, I mean, I, you know, the people that work for you are so critical <laughs> to everything good, good and bad. And so I was blessed from Diane to Linda Holm to um, uh, Kim Walters, the the best, the best, uh, just blessed with with great people. So we were meticulous about trying. You know, you get in business, and it's, a, it's something brand new. So you try to do it all right. Well. We had an audit. The audit lasted a couple of days, and I forgot where I was, but I get a phone call, and I had a service manager who was a great guy, retired Marine, knew, knew, his, knew his business, knew how to manage people for sure, and um, knew motorcycles inside and out, and so I had a service manager who was a terrific guy. Um, I get a call, and it's like, everything's great. We just finished the audit. Everything's cool. Oh, okay, great. That's awesome. The next like, it wasn't the next day. It was, like, later that day, I get another call from Diane. It's like, we got a problem. What's going on? Well, my service manager, a retired Marine, <laughs> great guy, good friend, he was he went to the audit guy, and he said, hey, you didn't, you didn't look over the service department. And the guy said, yeah, I did. He said, well, okay. He said, so he brought him in. He was talking to him, as, as we do. And the guy started looking through everything and looked through it again and started going through the numbers and... Joe was so proud of his work, and he was showing them how meticulous he was and how he took all the uh, the ROs, the repair orders, and how he did everything. And this auditor caught the fact that we didn't charge tax because you don't charge for service. You know, there's no tax on service. But that's only on the... I didn't know that. We didn't know that. We'd never been in this business before. So they went ahead and said, oh, we they took all the invoices going back three years and all the parts were taxable. Well, we never taxed them. Maybe that's why we grew so fast because people would come in and they would automatically say, what, 7%, 8%, whatever it was on, on a part. So if they bought a part in another dealer, it's a $100 part. You know, they'd pay $100. And ours, they only pay $92. Uh, I mean, I don't know. But they assessed us uh, $300,000. Now, I don't remember. I think we got out of some of it because some of it was, you know, over and this and that. But it was basically pretty close to $300,000. I got this new business, fledging, three years old. Yeah, we're doing good, but not that good. <laughs> we can afford the $300,000 hit. So those things happen. And when they happen, if you don't know how to navigate the system, boy, you're in trouble. Another reason why you got to be careful about who's in charge, who you elect, where, you know, in what positions. So there were a few people, but over the that, that 27 years I owned, so it was actually more than that, that I owned San Diego Harley-Davidson. It was Jordan Marks who was my go-to guy when I got in trouble in, 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 in those areas. And he, he always was able to put me in touch with the right people, tell me who to call, what to do. You know, you're not going to not pay the bill. You're going to pay the bill, but there's different ways of doing it. And there's different ways of negotiating. Not to slash it and say, okay, we're going to take, but sometimes, and we're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars, because that was only the first time, and that was 1995. Imagine the one that got like as the business grew and the stakes just got higher and higher. And Jordan Marks was always my go-to guy, and what a great guy. I'm not saying there weren't other people 
throughout the system that worked because he would put me in touch with all those right people. But I, I just want to say I'm voting for him, not because he's Republican or Democrat or anything else. I'm voting for him because of my experience with the guy. And um, yep, he happens to be a Republican. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hey, what are you going to do? There's nothing wrong with that. I vote for Republicans. So I, I, I wanted to get that out there. I wanted to talk about that. I also want to talk about my friend Cole Freeman. Cole Freeman came down to San Diego Harley-Davidson this weekend and put on a stunt show. Now, I didn't realize, because I know Cole, because he did a lot of stunt shows over the years for Harley Corporate. At Harley Corporate dealer shows and events and at Sturgis at the Buffalo Chip and all these different places. And I, I know he's from South Dakota. And I, I was with him in Daytona a couple of years ago at Bike Week. And um, he's a young guy. I remember... My friend Bubba Blackwell, who's a great stunt rider, who put on these great shows, who used to jump over, I don't know, record-breaking numbers of buses, trucks, cars, all kinds of things. I mean, these guys are great. I mean, when they call them daredevils, man, it's an understatement of how horrifying it would be. I mean, just think about it. Just going up those ramps and flying through the air on a on a Harley, okay? It's, it's crazy, man. So... I see Cole Freeman's going to be performing at San Diego Harley-Davidson this weekend. I had just come back from Pennsylvania, and I, I get this Instagram thing, and I saw, so I call him up. I go, Cole, how you doing, man? You're coming all the way down to San Diego. Wow, that's great. And then he told me he moved to California from South Dakota and this whole thing. So I got to see him at um, San Diego Harley on Saturday. It was it was great. He put on a fantastic show, as as again as as he always does. Jumped, he puts his ramps up and he jumps over the ramps. By the way, I've seen him miss. I saw. I remember when Bubba Blackwell missed at the um, Del Mar Fair. That was horrible. Oh my God. I mean, he really missed it, and he was in the hospital for a while. Thankfully, Cole just got a little bit hurt when he missed up in the up in. Uh, South Dakota, I think it was Pierre, but he had this big jump right before Sturgis. So anyway, that was great seeing him, and 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 uh, that was great stuff. Halloween, hey, Halloween came and went. Veterans Day is coming up. Thanksgiving is around the corner, and of course Christmas. We're in that time of year. How's it going to be? Well, you know what? Election Day, November eighth. Please. Get out there, vote, call your friends and neighbors, call your kids, call your parents, call, call, call your relatives. Don't fight with them. Just get them to vote. Make them understand. Get a politician in there that you trust, okay? By the way, just, just on this whole pro-life thing, if, if you're a pro-lifer and, and you believe in that, and I do, um, we've got a responsibility since Roe v. Wade ended, and, and that has, seems to have energized the other side. I want to talk to the other side. It is no longer about making, you know, codifying Roe v. Wade. You don't want to do that because you do not want late-term abortions. Let's just look at one facet because we all now, we, we're all entitled to get out there and have our say. This is a great thing. We can now decide not because of some, you know, Supreme Court, nine, nine, you know, lawyers in black robes who are now Supreme Court justices. I mean, I respect them and you have to. We can talk about that for days. But because we now have the responsibility and the opportunity to have a say. 
Because I don't know anybody. I don't know any. Not that they're not out there. There's plenty of them that want late-term abortion, seventh month, eighth month, ninth month, even after the actual birth of a of a child. And I cannot believe that. Let's have this dialogue. Let's have this conversation. Let's make sure that, you know, state by state, every state, even California, we do not do. Do you really want you Democrat friend? I know, uh, you know, call whatever I called you lefties and I've got your names and all that. But, you know, it's 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 it, we're all Americans here. We got to be together. We got to we got to agree on the basic underlying things that keep this country going. It's so important. And those are the things I talk about. And one of those things is, I, 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 I don't know if you're listening to me and you believe in a late-term abortion. Look, rape, incest, the life of the mother, we agree. I know there's people on my side that don't agree. You gotta meet someplace. Like I said, the, the Treaty of Versailles is what caused World War II. The, the treaty that ended the world, let's not be that brutal to each other that we initiate this this anger, this revenge, this hatred, this... Let's not do that. Let's try to come to agreements that work for all of us. You're all going to be a little unhappy, but let's see if we can all be a lot happy. It's a little unhappy, but a lot happy. Let's get rid of late-term abortions. At what point, at what stage do are we going to say, is it going to be after the... 15th week, the 20th week. We can talk about that. I'm sure California and places like New York are going to be a lot more liberal because that's the way it is. I get it. But let's all agree on things that are important to life itself. So we're going to keep this short. We have an election coming up. We have a lot to do. I have a lot to do. Going to bring that, that ballot. I'm going to hand it to a human being. I am not mailing it. I'm not putting it in some box. Hey, not not that I think everything is happening. I'm not paranoid, but I just don't trust people. <laughs> not after the 2020 election. And by the way, not only do I think Biden is stupid and incompetent, um, I, I think he is corrupt. And I think some of the things he said are so damn insulting. And when you try to tell me, and even if you, as you know, Alyssa, that I cannot challenge and I cannot think and talk about the 2020 election as being rigged, fixed, stolen, whatever you want to call it. That's how I feel about it. OK, and I can say that. And you Democrats have been saying it for so long. Look at Stacey Abrams. I mean, she had to go all the way to the Supreme Court to be told, no, <laughs> you're not going to challenge it. But it's what America is about. We were born fighting. It's OK to fight, to argue. It's OK to have these disputes. It's OK. It's just not OK to be so harsh to be so stupid, to be so arrogant, to ignore the fact that, you know, we all have feelings and we all have opinions. And so we got to, you know, we got to have measured results. And that's why we want to choose these leaders, these, you know, 435 people in Congress, 100 senators, 335 representatives. They represent you. That is you in there. 
They rep- who do you want to represent you? Choose that person. Choose that person carefully. Locally, statewide, and certainly nationwide. We are in a dangerous, dangerous world. We cannot even meet the, 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 the basic quotas of recruiting people to the military. Less than one half of 1% of the people serve. Look, if you want people to serve like I do, because I want a strong military, because that's the best way to avoid being in a war, okay? I want, but if you just want people to appreciate, to get a feeling that that they've, they've, you know, paid their dues, that they're, you know, that they say, hey, it's a rite of passage. It, It entitles you. Yes, yes. We all have entitlements. I know it's a bad word for Republicans, but we all have entitlements. I never felt more entitled to the benefits of this country than being able to look back and say, I serve. It's a great thing. It's a, it's a wonderful thing to say that. And it's a wonderful thing to be a veteran. It really, really is. It comes with a lot of baggage. It does. There's no question. Serving is not easy, but it's not supposed to be. But when we can't recruit enough, because this country is just, I mean, if we're, this is evidence of how we're falling apart as a country. We have, we, people should be lining up. We should never need another draft because we have more people wanting to join the military than when we have room in the military. That's where we should be. Encourage these people to stay in shape. How can a high school kid be too fat to serve? <laughs> Obese. That's too kind of word. You know, no. How can they be too stupid? Look at the grades. The teachers unions need to be, they need to get together and say, we're going to do something positive for the schools and for the kids, not just for the teachers, not just for the institutions, not just for, you know, the, we, we need to do something positive. We need to have some balance here. That's what we need to find. Those people who, who will find the balance is, you know, Weingarten, Randy Weingarten, really? To come out and say that, oh, we have to have amnesty for all the people that screwed up for the last two years and kept kids out of school. Those kids, the next generation is paying a big price. They can overcome it. Yeah, we, and we will. We're going to get these kids the education. We're going to get them the backup. We're going to get them whatever they need. I know we are. But it'll take five or ten years. There's going to be a deficit. There's going to be a problem. There's going to be some kids that are just not going to be able to make it up. How do you, how do you, what are you going to have an affirmative action? <laughs> Okay, now I'm getting into stuff for coming podcast. <laughs> we got some big stuff going on at the Supreme Court. Wow. Well, we always do. It's always it's always game-changing, isn't it? All right, get out there and vote. Game-changing, November 8th. That's the date. Make sure that we win this. Make sure that we, we get rid of this inflation, that we, we fix the problem. They're fixable. It's all fixable. Don't don't get all crazy. Don't go, oh, my God, the country's falling. It's not falling apart. It's falling together. <laughs> it's falling together. And that's a great thing. But we have to participate to make that really happen. That means getting out there and voting before Tuesday, but at the very least on Tuesday. I'm New York Mike. This is Rolling with New York Mike. And God bless America. Thanks for listening to Rolling with New York Mike. Listen, follow, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts to keep this podcast rolling.